Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, to another episode here of All Things Football. We had a great week of football. Excited to break it down and preview next week as well. Chase, how are we feeling? Uh, we're feeling a little down after last week, but this week's going to turn it all around, so I'm here for it. Listen, listen, I, I had a great week this past week. A lot of my things that I picked to come true happened. Obviously I was, I was wrong on some things as well, but the big things, um, right. Even in college, right. When we had the Longhorns lose, the Sooners came in the long day, the Longhorns, the loss, um, feeling good about the Sunday night game as well. That we'll talk about. So a lot of things in where, um, uh, where I felt as, as much as I was wrong this week, the, where I was right has kind of lifted my spirits and kind of helped carry me to where I feel I'm still feeling pretty good. So I'm um, excited to dive in and, and break down a wild week um, where there were some, I mean, we, we saw some teams finally turn it on um, and we saw some teams that um, have kind of come back down to earth. So excited to, to dive in there, Chase. Um, let's go ahead and get started. Obviously we've got the, the typical things that we, that we do where we break down league news um, best and worst, game balls, all that fun. So let's go ahead and jump on in. This is All Things Football. All right, Chase. So hit us with some league news. What's been going on here recently in the league that we think is impactful enough to discuss? Yeah, so the first things first. Uh, my cornerback one of this draft, a stud player, Christian Gonzalez from the Patriots is out, right? He got hurt. They, and then that that led to the trading of J.C. Jackson coming back to the Bill Belichick system where he had so much success. Uh, the, his experiment with the Chargers was uh, not not very good, and I think they only flipped what like a seventh round, sixth seventh round for him. They didn't do they didn't do a lot. It was just more of a we're going to cut him anyway. Let's get him off our team. Bill says I'll take him back. So I think that that's our first one that we're going to discuss. Right, we're just having just talking it a little bit. I I don't think J.C. is as good as uh, Gonzalez is, and I think uh, maybe the system, JC, can go back to the ball hawk that he was in, in the Pits, Pittsburgh, or in, I'm sorry, in the, uh, New England and Patriots, but I'm not sure that that's going to happen. Losing Gonzalez is a really big blow. Someone who was a defensive rookie of the year candidate. Yeah, and he was your pick for defensive player, yeah. or rookie of, of the year. And so obviously I can't do that whenever you miss basically the whole season. So yes. I, it was looking good. It was looking like one of those more promising picks of the Bill Belichick era that we really haven't seen recently. Um, right. When we kind of did our, our mock drafts and draft review and things like that, we kind of broke that down. Um, so it was exciting to see him play um, tough to see him go. We'll see how the JC Jackson comes back up. There's a reason that Belichick moves off of players earlier than other people. It's because he kind of sees what, what's going to happen kind of seems yeah, to the future there to go. So. Um, and he's usually right on when that happens. Right, he usually lets them go after like a career year. We're like, oh my gosh, this is like the, one of the best players of football. And then they leave the Patriots. You're like, what are you doing? And then they go to another team and they don't play as well. And like, oh, okay, he saw this coming, right? Um, so it's interesting that they're wanting to bring him back. Um, obviously, I think it's like a desperation play, um, especially with how they've been playing recently. But I don't think it's that, that one player is going to be able to make a difference whenever your offense is not able to score a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, this, uh, which is something that, uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely get into for sure. Um, talk about the Jonathan Taylor extension. Yeah, so uh, coming kind of randomly Sunday morning, right? Is I think this is probably the biggest news out of 
uh, this week of football that's not related to the games that were played, right? This is Jonathan Taylor signed a huge deal. He got $26 million guaranteed. He got a $40 million guarantee. He's making about $14 million a year for four years. Those are all roughly numbers. I don't have the contract in front of me. But it, it, this is huge, especially in a, in a game where Zach Moss looked incredibly well, right? I don't know what uh, happened to Jim Ursay. He woke up on the right side of the bed, and he finally got decided to sign him, right? He had that big – I think we've covered it pretty well in the offseason. I think my favorite football tweet of all time is the tweet where he said that if Jonathan Taylor and him died, no one would miss him, <laughs> right? So apparently that tweet reigned untrue, and he signed the deal. Um, that could be huge considering that we'll talk – I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but I think Anthony Richardson might be out for the season, right? So this is looking like maybe – he wanted to put them both on the field and they didn't get it done in the off season. It might be too late for this season. So that's a big news. I mean, good, good for the running backs. I'm never going to criticize anyone getting money, but this is not a winning uh, prediction for the, for the uh, Colts, right? It's not th something that, that comes out to be, we've seen running backs don't equal wins, right? Running game doesn't equal wins. You have to have the quarterbacks. You have to have the defense pass rusher running back, something you can kind of get away with going cheap. And the Colts were doing it, and they were doing it fine. And then I don't know what changed his mind. It'll be interesting to see if something came out where they decide they like this deal more than the deal he was proposing. Or I'm not sure, but it happened. He's going to stay a uh, Colt. Yeah. So I mean, first off, congratulations. Right. I'm never going to dog any player at all for getting money. Right. That's fantastic. That's the whole point of the NFL is for you to get paid. So congratulations on the business aspect of as a team aspect. I am going to I am going to to come after you. This is stupid. Right. I don't want to get into it because we talked about it, but literally on the day he signs his contract, Zach Moss pops off for like hundred yards, two touchdowns. It's like it's like that um that guy that does the the meme, those videos where you know he's just like Yeah. Like I literally that's just what I see every time something happens. Every time some random third string running back comes up and performs well and it's like this is why. So I I uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. I don't know why why they decided to get together and, and provide that. But um, Jonathan Taylor is not going to be the spark that, that they need. Um, and right now it looks like it's the Gardner Minshew show here moving forward, at least for the foreseeable future. He's been playing well. Um, but we'll see if that's enough to kind of lead this team and then carry them over. Maybe Jonathan Taylor does provide some sort of spark, but it's not something to where I, I'm – I don't know. I saw that tr that deal, and I think this is going to come back and bite them in the butt here in the next two years or so. Because as much as Jonathan Taylor has been great, he only had that one year that he was phenomenal. Only one year. Other than that, he has not been able to produce, whether of injuries or just whatever else. And so you're 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 paying a lot to a player just for one year. Um, yeah. But we'll see what happens there with the Colts. That's going to be their problem, not mine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always every time I'm running backs, I think of uh, Todd Gurley. Right. Todd Gurley had three years where he was the best player in football, right? He was second voting in MVP the year, Tom, the last Tom Brady MVP voting. Todd Gurley was the dude. And then he ended up getting cut from the Rams before his contract came out. And then the Atlanta Falcons pick him up, hometown team, right? They loved him. They cut him too, right? He played a couple games. They ended up cutting him anyway. So like you could be the best running back in the world for a considerable amount of time and you're, you're, you run out pretty soon, right? The end of that Super Bowl run, they were playing CJ Anderson over Todd Gurley, right? And Todd Gurley had like 72 touchdowns in his career up to that point already. And it was like the most of all time from any player. 
about early in his career, and it was just didn't matter, right? Jonathan Taylor, yes, rushed for 20 touchdowns, but he only did it once, and he's a running back. You can, you know, Zach Moss just ran for 200, two tuttos the day you signed. Like, it, it, uh, completely brain-busting move, especially with all this stuff that came over the offseason, right? Why make it a big deal if you're just going to ink him to the deal he wants anyway? Not really sure what Jim Irsay and the Colts' uh, vision was there. But we're moving on. To, this is the part of our league news that's a little bit sadder, right? That we always have to cover it. The injuries, right? Injuries sadly play a part in football. And this one is two really big ones. Two really big players and really big fantasy aspects, right? This could affect your fantasy teams in big time. We've got Justin Jefferson going on IR. is going to miss the next four games, right? Potentially, then they have to reassess. And then Devin Uchen from the, the rookie breakout running back, right? For Miami, he looks like he's going to go on IR. Unless, have they already put him on IR or just looking uh, like that? I don't, yeah. So it's, they haven't been on IR officially, just Jefferson, um, but he's expected to miss several weeks. Yes. Um, yes. So whether, because the thing is, is, right, once you go on IR, you have to miss at least four, four weeks, weeks. Right. So some teams, will, if they can come back sooner than that, they don't want to put him on IR. If it's going to be like three weeks, you know, push to four weeks. But the problem is, is, is it takes up that roster spot. So the longer that you don't put them on IR, then there's a roster spot there that's not being filled up. So, and then you could, you know, what do you do? Is he out two weeks and then you put him on IR and then you're missing six weeks. So like, it'll be interesting to see how they, um, how they go about that. But yeah, not efficient on IR, but still expected to miss several weeks. Yeah. And then this is, I mean, Jefferson's never really had injury concerns. So this is a never. kind of a. He's never missed yeah. a game in his career so far. Yeah. So this is a this is a kind of a shocking revelation. I don't know what those Vikings are going to do. Quick excerpt about Jefferson. I think his time in Minnesota is done. I uh, Jason it just went to the Chiefs Minnesota game. Came back right with souvenir cups and all the souvenirs. On the souvenir cups, they have picture of Christian Darsaw, picture of uh, Kirk Cousins, and picture of KJ Osborne. No, Jefferson. They don't have really. That's shocking. Writing on the wall. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, I'm more of a joke, but you could read into that a little bit when the players don't promote, when teams don't promote their star player means they can't afford them, right? They might be moving on. might be time for a rebuild up there in Minnesota. So that hurts with them already being one and four, right? Are their their win is not a really reputable win. I think they beat the Giants, Patriots, one of the two. I don't remember who they I beat. Well, I, can't remember I, have, I don't remember either. I had to go back and look. Either way, they, they don't have a very good win under their belt. They, they're not a very good team. And then Devin A. Chain, I don't know if it hurts it Miami. It was the Panthers. Panthers, okay, yep, yep. The only, one of the very few bad teams. In the the only undefeated, the only, only uh, winless team. Yeah, yeah. Only yep. winless. So, yeah, not, not, not looking good for Minnesota, especially missing that star player that Jefferson is. And then Miami, you know, this hurts Miami. You know, it was kind of a cool story seeing this guy rush for, you know, three hundo and a touchdown every time. But I don't know if that hurts Miami as much as Jefferson hurts Minnesota, right? They have running backs there. Jeff Wilson should be coming back here pretty soon. They use Raheem Mostert. They throw the ball more than they run the ball anyway. Mike McDaniels will do fine. But this is just kind of a blow to a rookie running back. Again, yeah. kind of so, why you don't pay running backs. It, it, I mean, it, exactly. I mean, honestly, so the Justin Jefferson obviously is way bigger of a deal, right? The go-to yes. guy, best wide receiver in the league. 
pretty much, right? You could argue Devontae Adams, but recently the numbers that he's been putting up is insane. Even this year, right, averaging 150 yards up until this last week, 150 yards a game. I mean, dude, just dude's incredible, right? So to miss him, he is the focal point of the offense. Um, is is detrimental. Whereas a running back, especially the rookie running back, right? Like I said, a great story, but nothing fundamental and crucial to their team to success. They're going to be able to be on and move okay, right? It'd be more concerning, right, if this was Tyreek Hill. It'd be more concerning if this was Tua, right? But it's just yeah. a, a, one of your running backs. And listen, this is this is par for the course when it comes to comes to to running backs, right? You're going to get injured. It just happens, especially whenever you're, I mean, we always talk about the 49ers injuries. These guys, Mike Bordanos came over from the 49ers. Maybe he brought it with them. Jeff Wilson Jr. gets injured. Now you have Devontae Chain gets injured. Rohi Mostart is, has been injured. Maybe we'll have, you know, it's just kind of that injury yeah. bug. Maybe he'll follow them there to that running back position. Hopefully not though. Um, and he's able to rest. And yeah, honestly, for the biggest point with the Devon A chain is, is really fantasy purposes, right? Obviously, Jeff yes. Rezessin is both, but mainly um, A-Chain is pretty much for fantasy purposes. So, um, but, um, you know, just swap him out for Jeff Wilson Jr. that's coming back or Raheem Mostert if you can, um, since he'll be the fleet back there for sure. Probably not going to get too much competition for touches. But that's, I mean, the A-Chain, you know, is, is sad because he's a fun story. Um, really was in the Offensive Rookie of the Year um, candidacy. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, just kind of came in there. Pretty much loses that if he's going to be out a couple weeks. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of race plays out. But um, so sucks if you're a Dolphins fan just because, you know, it's good. It sucks if you had him on your fantasy team. But overall, I don't think the Dolphins suffer because of it. No, I agree. I agree. Right. Well, I think that was all the league news here that we had right. for you. Um, so we're going to go on to our week five <laughs> recap. Um Ooh. Boy, this was the worst week that we had, Chase. I went seven for seven, even 500 with my picks this week. Yeah, and you got me on that Sunday night football game, which we'll discuss. So I went six for seven. Or I went six for eight. Sorry, six for eight. Not First time doing this. for I've been picking game, all games for two years. First time under 500. So not yeah, a very good week at all. Yeah, it's tough, but um, it's fun doing it. But, uh, man, I watch those games and I think, man, I take this wrong. Um, but it's crazy things happen every week, even every given Sunday, um, right? Any given Sunday, right? Um, but let's um, let's break down some games here. So we had um, that Thursday night matchup where the Bears went and took the Commanders, and that went about the opposite of how I expected it to go. Yes. Um, and I guess I should say the downside of maybe recording this on a Tuesday, right, is, is things can happen leading up to the game. As soon as I saw that Dick Buckus news come over, um, you know, he passed on that Thursday, I thought, oh, boy, Chicago could really go off here. Um, feel like he changed my pick, you know, I already locked it in. Um, so, but still, they, they came on there and they just dominated. I mean, it was another strong performance by um, by Fields and by Moore. Um, that pair looked like they're clicking, but I was mostly I was mostly just – in shock of how poorly the commanders played. They just did not show up to play at all. Yeah, no, they definitely didn't. And we, you know, that kind of sucks. I knew they were going to do this after we just talked about which zero and two team was, was pretending and contending. And I, we both made the decision that Washington wasn't a pretender. They weren't a contender. They were just dead, even kind of an average team. Then they go and lay one of the biggest stinkers on prime time against the team that was known for laying stinkers. Like it was just, it was a pitiful showing by the commanders. I thought they would come out a little bit fired up, you know, taking 
the Eagles to overtime. And maybe it was the opposite. Maybe they used, they exhausted all their resources. That was all that Riverboat Ron could coach up in them. And once they didn't lose that game, their morale was just in the dirt. Yeah. Should have went for it too instead of taking it to overtime. Yeah. Against the Eagles. Absolutely. But no, I was, I was, I mean, I was the same thing. I thought when I was picking this game, I thought, man, I, I just like, I, listen, I don't think the commanders are good. I don't think they're anywhere close to what the Eagles are, but taking the, playing that well against the Eagles, they could easily play that well against the bears, right? We've seen what the bears have come across their defense specific, you know, especially, um, and then commanders were just, were just dead flat the entire game and just really couldn't get it going. And then when there was like a little bit of a hope, you know, there was a turnover and it just took the momentum right back to, to, to Justin Fields and the bears. So kudos to the bears for coming in, winning big there on primetime getting their season kind of back on track, right? Their first one of the season. We'll see what it looks like moving forward. Um, but um, I like I like the way that Fields has been playing those past two games, right? Against the Broncos and then there against the Commanders. So we're looking to see a little bit more um, of how what we saw in college, right? This is the way that we saw in college. So far this season, they've been he's been more reserved, not really being just in Fields. And a lot of that was applied um, to the coaches. Um, what they were kind of doing that so it looks like maybe they're they're switching it up now they can kind of play more freely and kind of his style of ball and it looks to be playing dividends already here in just two games so excited to see what Justin Fields can look like here moving forward because uh, I think he's I think he's the guy in Chicago I know a lot of people this season were saying oh you know it's time to move off of him and get the Caleb Williams and all that stuff and I was always I was never that far in because Justin Fields can ball um, we've seen it before. We've seen it last year, even, you know, in the NFL, we've seen what you can do, which has got to give him time and give him more of a, I, I would say the coach is more of a problem. The head coach is more of a problem than, than he is on that. That's right. Um, but, um, yes. I liked, I liked what I saw. So hopefully he can continue moving forward. Cause it'll be, it'll be good if he's, it'll be good for football. Justin Fields can play well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the last thing I have to say about this game, you ever seen a game where they scored 40 points with only throwing to one wide receiver? DJ Moore is the only wide receiver on the team to have a catch. He had, and he had eight of them for what, three t- three tattoos. So, you know, Cole Komet and Robert Tanyan got in on the action to the tight ends. But no other wide receiver had a ball. No other wide receiver had more than two targets. Like, it was it was DJ Moore, Justin Fields' show. And I'm here for it. If that, that's how they have to win games. That's how they have to win games. So. Yeah, gotta gotta play to your strengths for sure. Um, when they, you know, obviously when they go up against better defenses, is is they're not going to be able to do it that way. Um, but uh, for these other defenses, hey, gotta do what you gotta do. Um, let's talk. Um, let's talk Vikings and Chiefs. Um, okay. I've got some stuff to say here about this one. Um, so first off, I th- I think this was the best game the Chiefs have played so far all season. Okay. Um, and because I think it was good um, on on both sides of the ball, I'm, I'm discluding the Bears game because I, I think the Bears are awful. Um, the Vikings are bad, uh, statistically speaking. Like their their record is bad, but I think they're I think they're a really good one in fourteen. Yeah. Um, and so this was this was a game finally, you know, against a against a honestly a good team um, that uh, um, the where the defense stepped up and then the offense was able to produce as well. Um, so I really liked what I saw there where they kind of get together. No mistakes, right? No turnovers on our end on offense. Played a clean game. Um, we had a little bit of that Travis Kelsey scare um, where he was injured, but he came back, powered through it, got a touchdown, put the game out, you know. Um, all that was good. Um, so I really liked what I saw. Um, defense played well. 
Um, we didn't really get that much pressure um, against Kirk Cousins until um, the very end, right, to kind of finish the game. So that was a little bit concerning. But overall, it was a really solid game. I really liked what I saw. My bone I have to pick. Um, and this is going to – I'm going to pick the bone with Andy Reid. It seems to me – this is specifically looking at the last two games against the Jets and the Vikings – is that Isaiah Pacheco is running the ball extremely well. We lean on him early to run, to run, to run, but then and he runs well. But it seems to me every time he scores a touchdown, we then stop giving him the ball. We then put Clyde Edwards-Alaire in to run the ball. He doesn't do anything. And then we just start throwing it and throwing it and throwing it and throwing it. We don't keep leaning on that running game. Um, that's doing well. And I'm really confused by it. I'm extremely confused by it because one, it will help us to control the clock more and it's successful, right? If it wasn't working, I could get it, you know, and I get, you have Mahomes, you got the arm, you want to get the ball in your best player's hand and make the plays and stuff like that. But whenever something's working, keep doing it. Like just keep giving in the, I'm not saying you can't throw at all, but just keep doing what's doing it. But literally every time, as soon as he scores a touchdown, it's like, okay, get him out. We're not going to run the ball, but check with him. I'm just like, why not? Like, keep doing it. It's working. Especially so, against that Vikings front that's, like, just daring. He wants people to run on them, right? The only run defense worse is Green Bay. Like, they, they're they really, you know, they just want people to run the ball. And then Andy Reid did it early and then decided, nah, we're good now. Yeah, so that's just been, I want to say frustrating, just kind of annoying. Um, And the second thing was weird. It was that Mahomes didn't run the ball at all. Um, like watching that whole game, like Mahomes always has at least one or two scrambles a game where he'll run for like a, a first down pick on a third down, pick up a first down, or just kind of run and scramble and stuff. He didn't do that. Like he, whenever he did, he was doing to make plays and he made some throws, but there were times where I was like, you could go get the first down. And then like, he, you know, he tried to throw a pass. It was incomplete. And we had a punter didn't do it. So I don't know if maybe he was like, I don't really know what was going on there. That's not really a bone to pick. It's just something that I saw was interesting because Mahomes usually always has like one or two scrambles where he kind of scrambles and makes plays with his legs, but I didn't see that at all against the Vikings. So that was just kind of, uh, I was kind of, just kind of, I don't know, questioning, questioning that, you know, why, why we didn't see that from Mahomes' game. And then lastly, um, that uh, passing interference that was picked up there at the end. Um, I see a lot of people now frustrated that a call, uh, a game-changing call wasn't called. Whereas I just heard for the last week against the Jets, you can't throw that flag there that late in the game, have to let him play. And then now it's that was clearly past interference. You can't pick that flag up. Now you're playing for the Chiefs. Now you're the rest are in the Chiefs pocket still. It's like, listen, you can't have it both ways. Either call the penalties or let them play. Like it, you can't be lukewarm and you can't go back and forth just because you hate the Chiefs so much and say the rest are in the pocket of the Chiefs every time they do something. Either stick stick to one lane and stay there. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it's important to remember with these, like the, you know, the pass interference, that's, that's a judgment call. I, you know, I like to call pass interference. I'm an offensive guy. I want the offense to score a million points. Right. So I like pass interference, the helmet off. That should have been called. I'll agree with that. That's yeah. the dumbest rule in football, but it should have been called. Right. I don't know why he can't take his helmet off after the play. If he gets knocked off, it's fine. But if he voluntarily takes it off after the play is done, it's a flag. Stupid. But it's important to remember these Chiefs or the refs aren't favoring the Chiefs. Refs are just bad. Like 
you could go back a million games, right? We'll watch every game. There's decisions that these refs make that are just boggling, right? They have no idea what they're doing. Their refs have been bad for a couple years now, and they're just kind of getting away with it. And it's only a problem when it's helping a team that no one likes, right? When it's helping the Chiefs win the game and it's helping the Cowboys advance to the playoffs or something like that, it's then it's a problem. Right. But it's not a problem when they screw up the Thursday night football game with the Bears commanders. No one cares. Right. Now, DJ Moore was out. I think they called that right. But they, I mean, refs are bad. And it's important to remember that refs have been bad. It's not like they're picking sides or throwing games. They're just really bad at their job. OK, it's important to remember that when you're watching football. And it has been for a couple of years. I don't know why this is a new discussion every year. But it's not. And the Chiefs are one of the most penalized teams so far this year. Um, we had literally their first touchdown drive with the Vikings was literally all penalties. We just let them walk down the field because we kept giving them defensive penalty after defensive penalty. So, like, I just, I just don't want to hear it. Yeah. Um, but overall, good game. Um, and quick turnaround here to welcome Bronco back to era that we'll preview as well. But um, anyway, I like, I like, honestly, I, I like the game a lot. Um, I liked what I saw. I think it was a good, a good, gritty, good team win against, uh, albeit poorly, uh, a poor record team, but I think still a, a, a good team. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, that gets us into Sunday night football. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, and I couldn't have been more wrong about this. All right, I mean, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more when we get back to where I was wrong or right, but we'll just talk about the game for now, right? The, the game got out of hand fast, right? One thing is, I want to talk about the Niners here because I'll talk about the Cowboys later. Uh, George Kittle. One of the best tight ends. I think. I don't think it's. A, I think he's the second best tight end, and it will take the mantle from Kelsey when Kelsey either gets too old to perform like he has been or retires, whichever one comes first. And uh, he is just a stud. Knows where to be when the defense right. He wants to block. He wants to pancake people. He can catch the ball. The other thing though is Brock Purdy is balling. Right. There's no longer a system quarterback, Brock Purdy. This guy is making throws that even even in good systems, they're good throws, right? You have to be a good player to run a good system. Good systems can elevate you for seven games like Jimmy Garoppolo did, right? He looked undefeated when he came over for the Niners and ran that Shanahan system. But he didn't look this good. Brock Purdy's making elite throws that can't help the system, right? The system doesn't help your arm talent, your arm angle, where the ball lands, right? It can scheme guys open. You just have to put the ball on them. And Brock Purdy did just that, right? Against a defense who, which is considered very, very good. I still think they are a pretty good defense. They have really good players. Losing Trayvon Diggs was a big blow for them. That shouldn't have been, like it took almost half of their wind out of their sail, it seems. But Brock Purdy just, he he, he like he was the wow factor that night. I was expecting uh, McCaffrey or Debo or even I love Ayuk, right? But it was Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy was the thing that kind of just kept on pulling me, you know, grabbing my eye right Brock Purdy is playing and if he's playing this good this hot um don't want to say it but the Niners are are a dangerous team they might have found their guy at Brock listen I'm I'm with you all the way this is the train that I've been on for a long time I'm going to touch on a more depth later right but um I think 49ers right now are clearly the best team in the NFL um I don't really think it's particularly close and this is me coming from Chiefs. I love the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are 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 doing great. But um the 49ers right now just are just clicking on all cylinders. Um and they were just on fire on Sunday night. They were more prepared. They were 
I mean, they were just, the Cowboys were just out coached, out schemed, out played, out everything. Like from the moment yes. of kickoff, the moment of kickoff, it just went downhill for the Cowboys. Like there was that one like brief silver lining where Turpin had that, that touchdown. Um, and you felt like, oh, okay, maybe this is going to be a game. And then just like that, it just evaporated. Um, yeah, the 49ers were, were dominant. Um, and really prove that they they're they're the top tier of the NFL right now. They're they're a scary team as that as long as they stay healthy, right? Brock Purdy is is slinging. I'm going to touch on Brock Purdy specifically later, um, more in depth. But um, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Purdy. I'm loving what I'm seeing from the 49ers. Um, Cowboys. Listen, um, I, I'm going to touch on this later too. Um, but um, this is just a typical, a typical something that we're used to seeing from the Cowboys going up against um, top tier opponents. Yeah, and one that one of the last thing I want to mention about this game is I uh, opened my eyes. I knew Fred Warner was good. Fred Warner might be like Depot good. Like Luke Keekley won the Depot, kept JJ Watt from winning three times in a row. I think Fred Warner name should be up there when you're talking about like top three top five guys for depot i would be uh i wouldn't be surprised if his name actually you know if he's the one that they call at the end of february right he is he's playing good he's playing at the level there was like one play where he like literally did everything like yes yeah like he did the entire play like finishing his sack but like he was like affecting the entire play so yeah dude dude's a stud um had interception i think had that forced fumble as well so he was he was all over the place so yeah i'm uh, excited to see as well um before we get to the monday night game i want to touch on the london game um, okay. real quick with jacksonville yes. and buffalo i think that was another big one here um and obviously the jags get the win but i think honestly this this kind of played out i know we both picked the bills to win um, but this kind of played out what we kind of had preview whenever the london schedules came out we saw that jacksonville was going to be back to back um, in London, right, to where they might have the kind of that advantage where they were already there for two weeks. They were more prepared for that game than the Bills. And I think that we saw it because as, as, you know, 25 to 20, it was not like that. I mean, going into like seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, the Bills only had seven points. I mean, it was yeah. just a crap show for the Bills. They were just flat every time. And this is type of what I said, right? This is a typical, I mean, I get, you know, overseas and things like that, but this is a typical thing what we see from Josh Allen and the Bills. When they come up high, they come down, they fall low. This is the roller coaster, right, that I keep talking about, right? September is over. They won the September championship, right? Dominated the teams. And then now, you know, we get the low there end of the of the Josh Allen and Bills experience, right? You get the really, really highs, and you're like, this is the MVP. This is their team I'm going to win Super Bowl. And then you get the really lows. Like, this team's not sucked, but this team just is not playing well up to their, up to their potential. Um, I thought Jacksonville played – I thought Trevor played really well. Um, he is willing to deal in there. Um, but the Buffalo offense just – the Buffalo offense just couldn't get anything going until it really was was too late. Yeah, and it seemed like honestly, you know, you look at it. I don't think Josh Allen played that bad. Stephon Diggs, I think he's one of the best wide receivers. Um, again, we talked about it last time losing to Javius White. Even though they've done this before, that defense loses one person and it falls apart. And they lost another one. Matt Milano breaks his leg. Yes. He's out for season. 
Yes, and that is huge. Matt Milano is a unspoken hero of that defense. This team might be spiraling in places that we don't want to see. Then when they spiral, Josh Allen, some for some reason, I think it's the small small school kid in him because we see this from a lot of small school kids. They start to play hero ball, where he wants to do like literally everything himself on one play. Right, he wants to break the tackle, you know, stiff arm the guy, throw ninety yards down the field. And then Josh Allen, you know, you can do that against small school guys because there's no one your caliber player. The NFL hero ball equals losing, right? It's not a good look. So hopefully Josh Allen can avoid going snapping back in that hero ball. We kind of seen that week one. Josh Allen up two touchdowns, decided to play hero ball. I don't really know what that was about. But I don't think this loss is on Josh Allen. I think, again, I, I don't know what this game would have been like. If it wouldn't. It could have been the same on, you know, at home. Also, I know the Bills were late getting to London. I don't know why you wouldn't try to get there right away. You know, they flew in like, I think they, I think they flew in like Thursday night or Friday morning, right? So they didn't have a lot of time over there. That's just dumb to me, right? Threat lag's real. Uh, again, Jacksonville stayed over there. So I, I think that that kind of plays again. And Jacksonville, you know, maybe they're starting to wake up. They looked really good. Travis, Travis Etienne put up a record-breaking game in London, one of his best games of all time. Like you said, Trevor's starting to wake up. That defense looked good again. Like, this team maybe could start, you know, they did it last year. Dougie P just doesn't have them ready to go for the first couple weeks. Then all of a sudden, they snapped together the team that they thought they could beat. And we'll talk about them coming into this week when we do our uh, next next week preview. But I was very impressed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm glad they could get back on their on their horses and win them. Yeah, two two big wins, undefeated in London. I mean, I mean yeah. that's impressive. Uh, yes. That's impressive for sure. And we're talking about the Bills. I mean, they've got um, they've got a tough stretch to finish um, to finish. But over here, this mid stretch, they've got um, some very crappy. So in the next five games, they've got Giants, um, Patriots, and Broncos, um, and then they've got the Buccaneers and Bengals in between there. So depending on what the Bengals do, was what they what was what they did? Are they back? Like is that them? Was it just a one off? We don't know yet. The Bucks, the Bucks are kind of frisky, so we'll kind of see what they're yeah. at. But three of those three of those five games, you can pretty much talk up, barring anything crazy happening. It's pretty much dubs um, before they finish out the season, where they have another rematch against the Jets. Um, they do Eagles, Kansas City, Cowboys, Chargers. Um, before they have a little mini buy against the Patriots again, and then finish at Miami, who's looking for that rematch, um, and that's going to turn out a lot. So um, these these games here early that they've lost um, could come back to bite them um, in the butt against these. Maybe catching these teams, you know, you know, you got to catch the, the good teams when they're down, right? Jaguars have been down early. Got to catch them while they're down. Couldn't take advantage of that. So we'll see how that affects them moving forward. But um. Great win for the Jags. Great win for the Jags, and I was excited to see to see them get the dub. Yeah, may, maybe my prediction's still alive, right? Number two seed. I don't care who has that one seed right now. I just need that Jacksonville <laughs> two seed. That was a bold prediction. I need that Jacksonville. Come on. All right, like and then know. finally, I think it's time. I've yeah, got time, a, a lot to say. I'll, I'll compact this a little bit, but uh, lay it on us. We have to talk about Monday Night Football, where the Green Bay Packers failed to show up against one of the worst teams in the league, the Las Vegas Raiders, right? So firstly, I want to say this again, I, I have to readjust my expectations, right? And I know I've said I've done it and I do believe I have, but it's hard watching a Packer game, not expecting to win a game, right? We've done that for 17 years since Aaron Rodgers came on the show, right? His rookie year, he was six and 10, but he was also uh, 
one balling, right? He looked amazing. And then from there, he just kind of took it and ran with it. Right. So uh, this, this is a rebuilding league. I have to adjust it, but I think I'm going to first start out just like you did with your coach, Matt LaFleur. What was that? Right. I Sunday, Saturday, I went to got to take my grandpa to the Iowa football game with a backup quarterback and watch that horrific offense struggle and beat Purdue off of uh, defenses, defenses and uh, field field position. Right. And then Monday night, I'm so excited to watch the Packers. who has been known for this dynamic offense and we're throwing uh, screen passes, wide receiver screens behind the line of scrimmage on third and 13. Like, I mean, it was almost the same offense, right? Relying on a run game that clearly doesn't work. I think I've talked about this before. A.J. Dillon might be one of the worst picks in the Matt LaFleur era. And that's saying something because his picks have not been very good, right? We we drafted him in the second round and uh, he he just isn't it, right? We wanted him to be a Derrick Henry type, right? Bouncing off of players. The dude gets like two yards and then goes down. That's just what he gets every time. Right. And I, you know, you would talk about the offensive line. They look considerably better than last week, which it wasn't hard. They literally just had to block for more than a second to be better than last week. This week wasn't good. And then our defense, defense did good in holding them to 14 points. Did really bad. Why? Right. I think we're, we're up three points. We could really use a stop third and 13. Or no, I think it was third and 11, third and 11. And we match Devonte Adams with Preston Smith. That, that, I mean, I, and this isn't the first time, right? Preston Smith, the game that last year where we got blown out week one by the Minnesota Vikings. Preston Smith lined up one-on-one with Justin Jefferson six times that game, right? So th- this is something they enjoy doing, taking Preston Smith, matching it up against their number one wide receivers. I don't know why. I don't know why that would be like an advantage for Green Bay, but it is. And, or it's not, and they think it is. It's just awful. Joe Barry has overstayed his welcome, right? Mike McCarthy got the boot in Green Bay by keeping his buddies around him. I hate to see the floor go the same way, but I think he might. I think it might be time, you know, depending on how the season goes, if he's not going to move off of Joe Barry, it might be time to let him go as well. And uh, Jordan Love, that was not a great game. Jordan Love had three interceptions. Now, one of them on a third and 10, he freaked out, right? He threw it way down the field, giving his guy, Christian Watson, wanted to give him a chance. That was picked off. I don't really hold that one against him. Yes, game ceiling interception, but he's a young quarterback, thinks he's got his guy for the game-winning touchdown. He likes to throw it down the field. It is what it is, right? Time's running out. I mean, I think you we, we had 20-some seconds. We had enough time, but that's not the end of the world. That one where it bounced off of Marcus Peters' hands into that linebacker, that was pretty bad. Marcus Peters had inside advantage. You don't throw that. And then your first interception, that was might have been the worst throw I've ever seen you make, Jordan. You threw it right into that guy's hand. Never seen him at all. Triple guarded, tried, trying to make a play. I, and I just want to say, last thing, Jordan's got a strong arm, and we failed to throw the ball down the field. Right, we we took we took like four deep shots, connected on one of them with Christian Watson. Completely forgot about Jaden Reed. Completely forgot about Romeo Dobbs. It was like we were told to force feed Christian Watson. He's a good player, but he don't know if he's Devonte Adams type force feed way. So I, I just was not impressed with the Packers and uh, not very you know with that game plan. I don't know if we could beat the Bears again. So we just need to go in. We have a bye week. We need to retool everything. Strap that play. Play. Let's play to Jordan's strengths. You know, let's let Jordan do what Jordan can do and not ask him to be Aaron Rodgers, reading the defense, making these really fast RPO options. Like, 
scrap all that. Go back to a simple offense, let Jordan throw the ball down the field. That's all I want. Yeah, two uh two very poor performances um from Jordan Love in the offense, both in, in prime time, right? That Thursday against the Lions, Monday night against the Raiders. This is one of the ones that's gonna come back and bite them in the butt later in the season against a terrible Raiders team. Like the Raiders yes. are just terrible. Um but I mean when your defense only holds up to seventeen points, um you guys you gotta do it. They get that yes. they get that Christian Watson, huge pass. They get down like at the four yard line, couldn't punch it in, had to settle for a field goal. That's the, I mean, and then they couldn't come back. And it's just too many plays that they left out there. Um, the defense kept them in the game for a long period of time, and the offense just just couldn't get it going. And let's be honest, the Raiders' defense is not good. They have one no. single player on that team, and Max Crosby, who is dominant. Everybody else is not good at all. The Packers, the, they should have been able to throw all over that defense yes. and, and and they just couldn't right um breathe uh uses by a week to review everything get better then they come back against the broncos right who the broncos aren't good either so it might be a nice game where they can come back and kind of get on track um before they get into like the mid-season stretch there but um just just a terrible terrible thing all around i really haven't been impressed at all with matt LaFour at all this season no. um and we're, we're, I think we're, I don't know, we're seeing a lot of separations between coaches and players now that players and coaches that were, have been together for a while are now on different teams and we're seeing success and failures. And it's making me question a lot of things that I've thought here recently. And I'll touch on that a little bit later, but um, they, the offense just has to play better. Jordan Love just yes. has to play better. Yes. And that's just, that's just that. Yeah. Six interceptions in two games, right? And both of them happen to be prime time. Now, granted, I you know probably four out of those six weren't necessarily Jordan's fault, right? You know, I'm trying to make something play down a little bit, but still, you can't be throwing six interceptions. What do you think you are, Dak Prescott? That is just not yeah. not good, not good, not good, man. Well, let's um, let's talk about what we learned, Chase. So, what did you learn here from Week Five in the NFL? Yeah, watching these games, I learned there's a lot of average to bad NFL teams this year, right? There's the elite crop, cream of the crop, the you know the the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Niners, the Eagles, maybe if you want to say that, the Cowboys. I'd still put them up there, the cream of the crop, even though they got embarrassed. There's a lot of teams that are just kind of average, right? The Falcons, the Cardinals, I don't even think are bad. They're average. I think the Rams are the same caliber there. You got the you the whole NFC South or yeah, NFC South is right there with the Saints and the Broncos, your Buccaneers, even though they didn't play. The Broncos are bad. The Jets are kind of in this average territory. There's just a lot of teams kind of, you know, in the same tier that I, you know, normally, normally, you know, we talk about, we've talked about this is the week they kind of start dividing itself. Seems like they're just it's like it's like almost like we talked about the Pac-12, right? Or the Big Ten football, where they're just losing against different teams, and you know no one can can take separate. that. You know, yeah, separate. It's kind of this is what I'm kind of seeing this NFL this year, right? There's a lot of teams that just go back and forth. They'll lose a game and then they'll come back and win a game they're not supposed to, or lose a game they're not supposed to. They're not. There's not really those separators yet, and I'm that's kind of surprising to me. I think that's kind of might be how it plays through most of the most of the year until we get into the actual playoff you know week 15 and on yeah i know um i i would agree with that definitely kind of mid a lot of mid teams um yeah. um right now 
Um, what I learned here from week five is that Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, will be a head coach next season. Um, yeah, I, I credit all the success that the Lions are having to him. Um, I like, um, I'm not going to say that, um, I don't like their, their head coach. Uh, I think he's funny. He says some, some weird stuff, and, I do not you know, him. some stuff that you can, uh, you know, put on a t-shirt and stuff like that. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but, um, the offense is, is rolling and the play designs, the plays that they're doing with everything there that, that Johnson there is, is scheming up. Um, we saw all last year, it was surprised that he kind of stayed there. But after this year, with the success that the Lions are having, I think are going to have whenever they go into the playoffs, I don't think other teams will be able to ignore it. Um, and um, and so I think, um, I don't know if it's a hot take, but what I learned is I think that 100% Ben Johnson will be a head coach next season. Um, so I think that the Lions have to have to do it to do it this year because I think yes. he's that driving force. I, I, I like I like golf. I think he's an average quarterback. But um, I think a lot of the success is coming from his offensive coordinator dialing up those plays and, and the schemes and things like that. And so I don't know if they'll be able to keep up that success moving forward without him. So this is the year for the Lions to do it, which is, I'm going to say, impossible. <laughs> There's just too many good teams there in the NFC for really them to come out of the NFC. Um, but, um, yeah, Ben Johnson's going to be head coach next season. Yes, yes. Ben, I – I, I love Ben Johnson since he came onto the scene there, right? I've credited all the success to him. I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but you know who Dan Campbell reminds me of? John Cena. Oh, you did tell he's, me. Yeah, I think you said yeah. that last week. Okay, <laughs> yeah, he's fake. He, you know, he's, he's fakey. You, you know, they got the wrestling personality. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that that type of coach or that type of person in general. I I really big fan of Ben Johnson, though. I think, I think yeah. that's a valid – Valid claim that you know some lucky team is going to end up with him. Yeah, and hopefully I love it's the that team play call where it, like they snap through the quarter, golf's legs right to the running back. <laughs> I never even thought of that before. That was crazy. That was so cool. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's what I learned from week five. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's very valid. Very valid. Yes. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, let's go on to our best and worst. So we've been talking a lot of bad football here lately. So let's go to our best. Chase, hit me with your best from week five. Absolutely. And this comes to note, you know, uh, I think I kind of took maybe the cop out, you would say. I The best, I actually took the best team, I believe, the 49ers. I think they have, they're, they're playing with the, they're, I mean, they're, they're just the best, right? I think they've got, you know, we, as much as we just talked about Ben Johnson, I still think Kyle Shanahan and his play calling is immaculate, right? I, I said Kyle Shanahan was my number one coach going into the season, and I don't think there's any reason for me to change that right now. He's going nuts. He's They've got the players. Brock Purdy is playing like a star quarterback. That defense is moving. The injury bug, bug that they've had is not really there right now. Let's knock on wood. Hopefully that doesn't come back for them because I like to see them full health. Right, they are they are the best team in the NFL at this point in time. Yep, I mean, like I said before, I agree with that. Um, I think I don't think that's a cop out. Like, if we're really talking about the best, I mean, that's that was the best. Like, there's yes. there's nothing else that even comes close to that. So I had to try to come close to that. Um, and I actually went. This probably will surprise you, but my best for the week is actually Desmond Ritter. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, balled out. Yeah, I think he had the best game of his career. Um, I yep. did not know I learned this on Sunday, so I did not know one he's undefeated at home as an Atlanta Falcon. I did not know that. And he 
Well, he was undefeated at home in Cincinnati. So he has never in his collegiate career oh, in NFL career so that. far, he has never once lost the game at wow. home. Wow. So that's impressive. Um, Shout out but to um, um listen, um, I think that the Fal- I mean this, I think that even though there was a like a close score game and the Falcons had to have a last, you know, minute drive to get a field goal to win, um, the defense kept him in the game all week, held the held CJ Stroud and the offense in check, who has been balling recently. So that yes. was impressive. Um, and then the, the the Falcons probably would have scored more points, but Desmond Ruder wasn't getting any help from his skill position players. So he kept fumbling the ball. Yeah. Um, so those two drive, there were two drives that they were moving down the field looking to score, and they ended up turning the ball over um, to no fault of Desmond Ruder. So his first game over 300 yards um, played extremely well. Obviously led a, you know a touched or a, you know a drive there to get to field goal lane for a walk off field goal. Um, I think had the best game of his career. Remains undefeated at home. Uh, and overall, I think, you know, yeah, I, I liked what I, yeah. I liked that game. I don't like, I don't really like him. I don't really like the Falcons. That's no secret, but um, I got to give credit where credit's due. And so my best yes. um, goes to Desmond Ritter. Yeah. Yeah. I was just last, last week. I kind of just trashed Desmond Ritter a little bit for his performance over in London. We're going to dial it up to jet lag. Now I don't think Desmond Ritter is a star at all. Again, I think Desmond Ritter, if Desmond Ritter can be Kirk Cousins, right? He just needs to be a game manager. And he had a game manager, really good game. He had a Kirk Cousins-esque game, right? His skill positions fumble. He, he, he scores points. His team does enough to keep him in the game. They win on a field goal. That's definition of game manager. That's what they need to make the playoffs. Let's do it, right? Good, good job, Des. You, you played good. I don't mind that best, best at all. All right. All right. Now the worst. Oh. The worst. We've been talking a lot of bad football, and I went with the best team overall. So I just went with what I think is the worst team overall, the New York Giants. They are in trouble, right? They signed Daniel Jones. He looks like a train wreck. Daniel Jones doesn't look like he could do anything right from wrong. His team, right, they have Barkley, who they signed to a one-year deal, kind of the same as a franchise tag. He's Injury prone, he did not play this game, right? The skill position, Darren Waller, you know, they made the big trade. I know they didn't give up a lot. They made the big trade to go get Darren Waller. Obviously, you can't have a uh, very, you know, kind of an older injury prone tight end as your number one receiver. That just was never going to work, and it didn't work. The New York Giants are just falling apart faster than I would have even thought. I thought they'd, you know, stay a little competitive and then fall out at the end. These guys didn't come out competitive at all. These are the worst team in the NFL by far. Listen, I, I agree with you, but I'm going to push back on the saying the worst team by far, because I'm going to give you my worst. And okay. I was thinking about this worst. I almost went with the Ravens receivers, seven drops. <sighs> They're at 5.7% yes. drop rate this season, dropped several touchdowns, several plays to keep the Ravens in the game. It's like, listen, Lamar just needs a receiver. You think you got up some players and they're not playing well. Odell's always hurt. Shocker. Who could have thought of that? Um, and so that, but what Trump, the, the Ravens is who I think actually is the worst team in the league. This has been developing every single week for me. First, it was the Giants. Then it was the Bears. And now I think it's the New England Patriots. Two weeks in a row, they've only scored three points. Mac Jones has more interceptions and touchdowns, and he's been benched twice. Twice, yes. Um, right now, their offense just is in shambles. Um, their defense is not keeping them in games and playing well at all. Two weeks in a row um, has been Belichick's worst losses ever in his entire career. Um, and I just I don't see how it gets better. 
No. I don't see the J.C. Jackson trade helping them. There's no offense at all. Uh, Mac Jones is terrible. They don't really have the receivers to help. I don't really think that matters. I don't really. I don't even think Patrick Mahomes could come in here and put together a win with these guys. Yes. I mean, I'm sure he'd be able to do it somehow, some way, just because he's him. It's Pat Mahomes, um, yeah. But it's it's stuff out there. And Mac Jones is not the guy. I mean, you can't. I don't know how you can keep your job as a starting quarterback when you've been benched twice in a row. Like I don't. I guess Bailey Zappi is not that much better, but it's. It, it's it's just tough there up up in New England and New England fans just have to be besides themselves <laughs> because I mean this is by I mean this is I mean you think you know you could, like I oh, was a Packers fan like yeah we're about all of this but this is not as bad as this no. what's happening there in New England um that, that's that's some bad bad football and I, I my questioning is I'm questioning how much longer Bill Belichick is going to have a job as a head coach yes for two yes. things one his legacy now is taking a hit. The longer that he is stuck with crappy teams, the longer that he gets losing records, the longer that he misses the playoffs. Like, are we going to look back and think of him as six-time Super Bowl champion, greatest coach of all time? Or are we going to look back and say, this was the end of his career? Like, this is the most recent thing that people have done, I think, is what sticks with you. So, yeah. like, when I hear Bill Belichick right now, I'm thinking, like, oh, head coach of the New England Patriots who freaking suck. Um, and so... And yeah. so to me, you know, that's where I started to think. So, and then when Robert Kraft, the owner, when does he finally say he has enough? Because I feel like Bill Belichick has enough clout to suffer a couple of down seasons. Like, hey, listen, like you've been, you know, here forever. You've done amazing things. It's okay. Like, we'll give you some time to rebuild. But now you're year three into this. It's not getting any better. You're the guy drafting. I mean, it's, this is on, you're, you're the one man show there. Yes. And yes. the team is in shambles. And so when does Robert Kraft say, listen, man, like I can either fire you or you can retire. Um, and walk off into the sunset with your head up high, but we've got to make some changes right now because whatever's going on is. Yeah, no. And I think that's one of the other things that help, that doesn't help Bill Belichick. Right. It was always, is it Belichick or is it Brady? Right. Brady went to Car uh, Carolina. Sorry. Brady went to Tampa, had immediate success, won the Super Bowl. He made the playoffs every year. He was down there. Right. I heard the stat. Brady never took a snap, one single snap in a game that he was mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Isn't that insane? And so, and then you see that, right? The year he, Tom, uh, Tom Brady won the Super Bowl, Mac Jones played his best season. The Patriots made the playoffs. They lost round one, but you're like, oh, maybe it was both. Now you're looking back and being like, well, no, maybe it was just Brady, right? And that, that dialogue is just going to keep growing the more, the more this happens. And I'm sorry, after, you know, I love the Christian Gonzago pick, but you guys have been awful drafting. And Bill, you're the scout, you're the draft, you're the GM. You're not a very good GM, and it's affecting your coaching ability now, right? So this is not looking good for the Bill Belichick. Yeah. Honestly, if I'm the Patriots, like, if you want to keep Bill Belichick as the coach, that's fine. But you got to relieve him of his duties as GM. Yes. I say, listen, Bill, if you're going to stay here, you're going to coach. That's all you're going to do. We're going to hire an actual GM. We're going to hire somebody else really to do the GMing, and you're just going to be in charge of, of coaching, right, what you're yeah. good at. Um, and that's what they're going to have to do. And this leads me to a point where I talked about where coaches and players, because we look at what happened, right? We didn't, obviously didn't get to, uh, we won't really know the experiment of kind of the floor and Rogers to its full effect um, because Rogers is injured, but looking right now with the floor, it looks like maybe Rogers was keeping mm. him up there. 
Yeah. Um, and then we look at Pete Carroll and, and Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll is winning with Geno Smith. Russell Wilson is losing, right? Yes. And Russell Wilson looks like a shell of himself. He doesn't look like what he's or what he's you know what he's been up to. So um, it's it's interesting kind of conundrum where you're looking at there and you're realizing that maybe coaches are a lot better than we thought, and then we're looking at how our players were a lot better than we thought. So this yeah. is an interesting thing there. But yeah, yeah so my I think worst. It goes- I say I think it might go a little bit farther than that, right? You look at Kellen Munn, right? He had that dynamic offense in, in uh, the Cowboys, and the Chargers offense hasn't been bad, but it's been nowhere near that. You, and then, you know, there's just Nathaniel Hackett, right? He, he lived in Green Bay, right? He got that job last year, you know, uh, last year at the Broncos, and then he looks like an adequate, below adequate offensive coordinator, but he has the best red zone percentage of all time with the Packers in 2020, right? The gold zone. So, you know, the, the, I think this is a real thing that we're starting to see. Sean Payton without Drew Brees looks like an awful head coach, right? So these are just, you know, I think that's a very interesting thing that you're pointing out that's actually starting to do shed light on maybe there's some duos that just need to stay together. Yeah, there it is. Also, we didn't touch that game. So just shout out to the Jets for having Hackett's back and dominating. Yes. And dominating yes. that game. That was super fun to see. Yeah. Um, let's go on to our game balls, Chase. So let's go with um, – let's start with offense. Chase, hit me with your offense game ball. Yeah, even though I didn't – I changed my pick, didn't pick him. I got to give respect where respects to Jamar Chase finally woke up, right? I think he was the spark right? without T. Higgins, right? That was the final straw. T. Higgins was not going to play. This Cardinals team has been feisty. They've been, you know, trying to fight in every game. I thought surely they'll come out. And they look like they were going to the first half. Then Jamar Chase woke up. I think he had three touchdowns. He caught everything that came his way. I think he had 15 catches over almost, I think almost 200 yards, if I'm not mistaken. I should have wrote it down, man. Just looked at it and forgot it already. But Jamar Chase balled out, right? You got to give respect. When you have franchise record of 15 catches, that's crazy with the wide receivers that the uh, Bengals have had, Ochocinco, Hushmanzada, uh, T.O., he played there for a while, right? This is an insane uh, feat for Jamar Chase to accomplish. Yeah, no, absolutely. She gets the game ball. I mean, that was dominant. So that's the thing. So the, the yeah, Burrow and Chase can get going. They're unstoppable. Um, and so it, now the question is, with this a one-off? Did they finally put it together? Um, or, you know, was it just a one-off? And now they're going to kind of go back to thinking because, you know, really, you know, it's it's tough to say, right? But this is kind of what we've seen from the Bengals is they start off really, really slow and then they turn it on. So we'll see if they're if they're living, you know, what they is this is, is what they're doing. We'll see it. Or we'll see if they if they fall back down to earth and kind of struggle like they've been up there. But definitely has to get the game ball. My offensive game ball, we've talked before, but now it's time for me to go a little bit deeper. And that is Brock mother freaking Purdy, baby. I got to give it to him. 17 for 24, 252 yards, four touchdowns, and then sat out the entire fourth quarter. But it was like a college game. He was dominant so much, he took the whole quarter off. Okay. Um, and I'm glad you brought this up in kind of the intro there when we were talking about Brock Purdy. Um, because I got to come with it, too. I'm I'm tired of the Brock Purdy slam. Um, I'm tired of coming at waking up on a Monday morning after he's dominated and saying, if Mac Jones was in this offense, he would be doing the same thing. Bull freaking crap. Purdy is freaking slinging it. You mentioned you hit everything on the head where he's making high caliber throws. He's making high caliber decisions. He's playing phenomenal. 
you could not put a Mac Jones into the offense and have him play to the level of Brock Purdy. I think you can get into a certain level of playing well, but not to the level of Brock Purdy is playing right now. Brock Purdy is slicing and dicing. And I bring some facts to back up that claim. So, Brock Purdy, in a total of 14 games, right? Last season, this season so far, his career stats, undefeated, one. 22 touchdowns, only four interceptions. Current average QBR of 75. Obviously, this season is currently ongoing. It's currently at 83.6. Dominant. Similar sample size. We've got some other quarterbacks that have been in the Shanahan system that have played similar amounts of games who have not played this well. Look at Nick Mullins, shall we? 18 total games in the Shanahan offense. Same players, right? Same system. Only 25 touchdowns to 22 interceptions. Average QBR of 44. C.J. Bethard, your boy. Iowa Hawkeye, 19 total games. 18 total touchdowns, 13 interceptions, average QBR of 41. Brian Hoyer got in on the action. Six total games, four touchdowns, four interceptions, QBR of 35. So we've seen other players play substantial amount of games. This is between Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard. They've played a total of a whole entire season in the Shannon system, in the Shannon offense with these players. And they put it up crappy below average seasons. Okay, so no, you cannot tell me just any random Joe can come off the street and play quarterback for the 49ers and play it as well as Brock Purdy is right now. You cannot tell me that the facts don't back it up. Brock Purdy is slinging it right now. He's a legitimate MVP candidate, and I love what I'm seeing from him. I love what I'm seeing from him. And so, Brock Purdy, you get my game ball. Yeah, phenomenal game ball. I already talked about it, right? Brock Purdy, and it's, it's important to understand that I think any quarterback would look good in the in the Shanahan system. Not this good, right? Purdy's taking it. Uh, he's adapted the system, and he's excelling in it more than other people, right? He's no longer a system quarterback. I think last year it was fair to say he was system quarterback thrown in there. I don't think he was making these throws last year. He looked rough even in that playoff game against the Seattle Seahawks, right? They were dominating and he was looking rough. Like it was not his best game. I think that's probably his worst game that I've seen him play was that Seattle Seahawks playoff game. And they were dominating the entire time. This season, I haven't even seen anything like that, right? He has been the star of the show, rightfully so. Love that game, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I've been playing, playing extra, no turnovers either so far, um, yeah. keeping it clean. And he's slinging it downfield. He leads the league in downfield passing in every single yes. statistic. Um, every single statistic of downfield passing, he's number one. So you can't, you cannot tell me otherwise. No. So get out there like Dan Orlovsky, get the freak out of here. <laughs> I hate that. Um, with with, the, with that crap. So anyway, yeah. So disagree fully with that. Um, Brock Purdy's a step. Yes. What about your defensive game ball, Chase? <clears throat> my defensive game ball is going to one of our favorite players from pre-draft, a rookie, Joey Porter Jr. This guy rocked out. He's been one of the best rookie cornerbacks, not getting a lot of touches. He filled in. He was the highest graded cornerback playing last last week by PF, uh, PFF, graded at 92.3. He's also allowed a passer rating of zero this season. Absolute zero. And on top of that, right, just even this game, which gave him my game ball, is he got the biggest play in the game, right? He got the pick in the end zone, That the one mistake that 
uh, Lamar had, right? We talked about Lamar, right? His wide receivers let him down. He was doing good. He finally made just one mistake, and it was highlight reel everywhere. I feel bad for Lamar, but Joey Porter to go up there and get that interception, you get the game ball. You have been locked out. We, we talked about how perfect of a marriage this would be. I love it. Mike Tomlin, use him more. 86 snaps, zero passer rating. Put him in your starting lineup. Yeah, He's a stud. Yep, get him out there. I mean, he needs to play every single snap. I yeah. can't like take the training wheels off. Like if you haven't seen enough by now, I don't know what you're yeah. I, I agree. Joe Porter, freaking stud. Um, I love how we were high on him all season, uh, all all draft process and that and that he's balling out. So keep balling out there, Joey P. Um, my defensive game ball is actually going to a combination of players. The first game ball to go to more than one person. And I'm going to is this the best defensive back duo in the NFL? Legarius Sneed oh. and Trent McDuffie of the Kansas City Chiefs. They have been dominating this season. It's been mentioned before that Trent McDuffie by PFF has been the highest rated at his position all season so far. Um, Legarius Sneed has been holding it down against the number one receivers. Right, Trent McDuffie has played more in the slot. The jury's seen has been kind of the cornerback following the, the star player. Between the two, um, they held Justin Jefferson to just three catches for only 28 yards. And when you put that in his perspective, he's been averaging 150 yards a game so far this season. Through four games, he's got at least 150 yards receiving. And they held him to three catches for only 28 yards. They were a Especially Legereus Sneed. He did the majority of the work, but Tripp McDuffie came in, so I got to give it to both of them. But Legereus Sneed was on him, aggressive, jamming him at the line of scrimmage all game, made his life hell, um, and just completely shut him down. And so, best doing the league, time will tell. But whenever you hold the best, like I said, one of the best wide receivers to the league to just 28 yards, you get my game ball. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, it seems like, uh, you know, shout out LeJarrius Sneed. He found out the secret. I think, I think the secret to Jefferson, he hates being champed to the line, physical, fast cornerbacks really give him a trouble. Remember last year, he come into green Bay talking all that snap about Jahir. Jahir held him to zero catches for zero yards, right? They kind of have the same similar play style, really good tacklers, jamming wide receivers to the line, speedy guys want to want to pick up the ball and get in your face. So, you know, that's kind of the secret to beat Justin Jefferson. Go get your guy like that. Now, is there a lot of guys like that? No. So Jefferson's going to continue to have 150 yards when he gets healthy. But yeah, I, when I seen that, I, I wasn't surprised per se, because Jefferson's kind of known to disappear for a couple games a year. But you you got to credit the defense. Congrats to the RC. That's a listen, huge accomplishment. Listen, I am, I am sh- this is the best defense we have ever had in the Mahomes era right now. I mean, yes, I am shocked. When you look at last year, we have the most pus- passing touchdowns in the entire league. Every single year, even if the Chiefs were winning, Teams were just dump, throwing the ball like we could not stop the pass to save our lives. Um, and this year, we're pulling it down. We're one of the best defenses in the league. We're limiting points. We're limiting catches to these receivers. I am just stunned at how good our defense is playing. Like, if, yes. this is, if this really is our defense moving forward, this league is only going to get better, right? Only going to get better. That's that's the staple of, of Steve Spagnuolo is the defenses only get better throughout the year. Right, we still got young guys coming in. They're going to keep growing. We're going to get better. And if our offense can really click and get going, we figure it out with the wide receivers and, and can get it going. Like the Chiefs, the Chiefs can be even scarier than they were last year. 
Um, and this is and because of the defense. So I, I'm, I love what I'm seeing because the defense has been my biggest headache for the past, what, seven years. Um, and, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So, yep, game ball goes to you two. Keep up the good work. Yeah, yeah, phenomenal. Phenomenal. All right. All righty. Let's go to where we were right and where we were wrong. Chase, I'll let you decide which one we do first. All right. Well, you know, I want to I want to address this first. Let's do the where we are right or where we're wrong. Let's do the where we're wrong. Yep. Let's address this. And I'd like to go first. Right. So I guess everyone, you know, if you're watching, you've noticed wearing the UCLA hoodie. Right. I want to address why I'm wearing this. This is the worst pick I've ever had in football ever. This is the support of Josh Rosen, my QB one, my superstar quarterback in that 2018 draft class. We're almost any every other quarterback did miles ahead of him right he was out of the league in almost one year don't think he was given a fair shot but still awful pick i think i might be on the verge of that again with the dallas cowboys right i don't i don't think they're they're like the worst team in the nfl i still think they're a playoff team i still honestly think they could probably win their division but they are nowhere near the 49ers or the chiefs or the bills or the Bengals, even right those those teams get actual wins against actual teams and they show up when they need to the Cowboys, I don't know whether it's players. I think it's coaching because I don't really respect either one of their coaching staffs, right? The legendary Dan Quinn, the the only thing I really know him legendary for is blowing the 28-3 lead when he was the coach of the Land of Falcons, right? So his defense looks good, except when they're playing really good offenses. Mike McCarthy, that blubbering idiot, right? He just cusses all the time. He calls awful play calls. This Dallas Cowboys team, Dak Prescott, uh, literally poops his pants every time he gets on prime time against a good team. Like he, Dak Prescott actually hasn't looked good at all this year, right? We've kind of been waiting for it and waiting for it. He really, he really hadn't had to do much. So we didn't really think about it, but I'm re- willing to say Dak until you prove me right again, I'm taking the wrong. This Cowboys team is nowhere near where I thought or nowhere near where they should be with the roster they have. That is just, I was wrong about the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. So I'll pick you back here. I'm not going to get you. I'm wrong. I'm picking back because where I was right um, is about the Cowboys, the Dak Prescott, <laughs> but mainly how Brock Purdy is the second best quarterback in the NFC. Yes. I, um, I'd, I'd argue maybe number one. Maybe number one. Maybe, right. So two pronged here, right. So obviously this is par for the course what the Cowboys and Dak Prescott has always been, where they dominate the bad teams. Dak Prescott specifically, his record against bad teams is phenomenal. Great. Yes. Hall of Fame. Whoa. When he goes up against good teams, playoff caliber teams, his record is poor. The Hall of Suck. Or the Hall of Hall Lame, of I'll say. We got Hall of Fame against bad teams, Hall of Lame Hall against of lame. good teams. I, I was yes. not surprised at all of this happened because this is who he is. When people show you who they are, believe them. Chase, this is why I've been trying to tell you this whole entire time is because we've seen it with our own eyes time and time again, as long as he's been in the league, save his rookie season. We've seen it time and time again. And so no matter what the pieces are around no matter how good the defense is, no matter what is Dak Prescott will, and it will always choke and suck against NFL playoff caliber teams. It's just par for the course. It's who he is. It's who the Cowboys are. I said this four years ago. I'm double and triple down on this now. The Cowboys will never win the Super Bowl with Dak Prescott as their quarterback. Yep, I believe that. 
Um, that's where I was right on one. And then two, when we did our quarterback rankings, I had ranked Brock Purdy as second best quarterback in the NFC, just behind Jalen Hurts. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to, you know, pat myself on the back, but um, I was right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you look at the, you look at the, the caliber quarterback play in the NFC, it's not terrible, um, but Brock Purdy is, I mean, you can, Honestly, if you want to put in the first, I wouldn't, you know, fight you too much on it. Yeah. Um, but for sure, no, no less than the second best quarterback. Yeah. Like he's yeah. willing and dealing. Um, and so I feel I'm, that was kind of, a, I went out and kind of did like a hot take with that. Um, and that rankings, I'm just being proven right more and yes. more. And so yes. I'm, I'm loving it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I just, I, one is I, I didn't, you know, I didn't think the Cowboys were going to win the Super Bowl this year. They weren't my pick to win the Super Bowl. I thought they'd win this game because this is, you know, regular season prime time. This gets all the Cowboys fans excited. This is kind of when they show up, then they kind of die down and they did, couldn't even show up for this game. This was a very pathetic excuse. I don't think the team was ready. Um, uh, <laughs> love George Kittle pulling up his shirt, revealing that. Right. That is just an awesome rivalry. That's not I don't even know if you call that a rivalry. Right. Is that a rivalry when the one team just spanks you over and over again? I, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I know the Chiefs Bengals rivalry. I think it's a rivalry whenever you meet in the playoffs, uh, when you consistently meet in the playoffs. Uh, I think and they it have a rivalry and they, and they have. have. I mean, so they've sent yeah. they've sent the Cowboys on the last two years. Um, right. and so we'll see what happens this year. Kind of same thing with the chiefs and the Bengals, right? They've met in the two AFC championship games. So whenever you meet together like that in the playoffs, even though like maybe during the regular season or something like that, you know, one team kind of has the, you know, the upper hand for a yeah. long time. Um, I still think, you know, I still think you're rivals whenever you have to go through each other to get to the ultimate goal. Yeah. And they were rivals, you know, way back when, when they were both winning Super Bowl. So it's, it's really, it's really cool to see this kind of come back together, even though the Dallas Cowboys really haven't given much pushback. I, it's, it's still a really good game. I was really looking forward to this game. I thought it'd be really good. It was not. Um, Dallas, like, you, you lost my favor. I was like a subpar <laughs> Cowboy fan for a while now. I just can't do it anymore. Sorry. Yep. Still glad, love Micah I'm Parsons. Glad <laughs> I'm glad. I'm, oh, yeah. Micah Parsons. Said, I'm glad we've got you over on the on the light side now. Yes. Um, yes. And that we that, that you could be with us over here. Um, so, yes, I piggybacked where I, instead of my... Uh, where I was wrong, I kind of piggyback my where I was right to add on to that. So I'll give you where I was wrong before I get to where you were right. Um, when I was wrong, I'm sorry to say, is I was wrong. I was wrong on Jordan Love. I got on the hype um, too early. Um, I did. I, I got after that Bears game. I thought, oh, I mean, obviously, when not Aaron Rodgers Love, I thought, oh, they're not missing a beat. That's that's gonna go. Um, you know, I picked them to to make the. I picked them to to make the playoffs. As like the six or seven seed finished second in the division, so obviously I wasn't expecting them to be world beaters. Um, but those past two games there from Jordan Love, just poor decision making, poor throws, um, and just a lot of stuff to where I'm like, man, this guy's looking like a, a an average backup quarterback right now, not really a starter. Obviously, this is his first season starting, so I'm not like completely you know out on him. I'm not saying he can't be the starter. But to where I was, you know, at a couple of weeks ago where I said he was going to have his official breakout game against the Lions and bought, and it was just the opposite of that. He had another chance here against a very bad Raiders team coming off additional rest, right? You get extra, extra practices, extra rest, extra planning, you know, because of the Thursday night game and to follow up with that. And so I just, um, I was on it too early, not to say I can't come back around, but I'm off the Jordan Love um, kind of um, hype train, if you yeah. will. Um, here, so that's so that's where I was wrong. I got on that a little bit too early. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's completely fair. I think we do that a lot with quarterbacks, right? I think Justin uh, – I've talked about this a little bit with my friend the other day. I think Justin Herbert ruined our rookie quarterback ratings, right? Justin Herbert came out and had the best rookie season by rookie quarterback of all yeah, time, right? And then we think everyone just should do that. And we – under, you know, like C.J. Stroud is on pace for doing that, but you see he kind of got shut down with a uh, decent Atlanta Falcons team, but, like, I don't think C.J. Stroud said – but right, Bryce, like Bryce Young, everyone's calling him a bust. They want to move off of him. Give these rookies some time. I know Jordan Love's not a rookie, but he kind of is, right? This is, this is his unofficial rookie season. So uh, give him some time, right? I think I, I fell victim to that too. I think that's fair to say you were wrong on. I still think Jordan Love's the guy. I just think we jumped on it too early, right? We expected him to be too good. We expected him to come out and have that Herbert-like season, and it's just not possible. Right, I'm going to where I was right. We kind of talked about it a little bit. The Atlanta Falcons. I'm doubling down on that, right? The Atlanta Falcons. I had very few rights to pick from this week. was really rough. But the Atlanta Falcons look good. They won the game. I think you and me split on that game anyway. You picked the Texans. I picked the Falcons. I'm running that. They look good. Desmond Ritter looked like the game manager. Look, honestly, Desmond Ritter looked better than the game manager I thought I needed, right? They kind of got Kyle Pitts involved. Bijan looks like he's going to win Offensive Player of the Year. CJ Stroud's the only guy that's that's up there. That that catch where he like had to like pin it against his hip and juke the guy out at the same time. Like yeah, there, there's there's wild. not five guys in the league that can do that right now. That is insane. So uh, the Atlanta Falcons, they're still trucking only, along. I would, only, I would only think Christian McCaffrey could do that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, maybe Saquon when he's healthy, but I, I don't even know about that. So, yeah, it, it, it's insane. Uh, I'm running on those Falcons. I kind of picked them. That was kind of my hot take, the Brock Purdy hot take. It hasn't panned out like Brock Purdy so far, but I think it's go. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I really do. I'm still on them. They're, they've shown me no doubt, right? The games they've lost, I kind of could see them losing. They lost to a really good Lions team, they lost to a Jags team that I picked to be the number two seed. So, like, they're they're still right there. They're still right there. I mean, they're they're in it. Yep. Um, they're in it for sure. So we'll see how it how it plays out. But um, yeah, yeah. So it's right. So long recap there of Week Five, but a lot to kind of go over there. Um, some good games and stuff to break down. So so that was fun. Um, so let's get into our our Week Six preview here real quick as we wrap up the end of the show. Um, to Thursday night, and that is the Denver Broncos visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. Chase, your initial thoughts here of this primetime matchup against great teams. Yeah, uh, uh, this kind of scares me a little bit because the Broncos always played the Chiefs good. I think the Chiefs should run away with this, right? Sean Payton's not a good head coach. Russell Wilson's playing He's playing way better than he was last year. Still not playing good enough to win. That Broncos defense is nowhere near where we thought they were going to be, right? But Thursday night football has proved real troublesome for home teams. The Chiefs lost the opener. Packers lost at Lambeau. The uh, Carolina, or the Commanders just lost to one of the worst teams in the NFL, right? So this that's the only thing that gives me a little, little uh, grimace there, right? The 49ers obviously blew out the... The Giants, so there is hope, right? Good teams still win. I'm not, you know, saying that, I'm not picking the Broncos at all. I think it's Chiefs by a lot. But it just gives me a little reserve. If this is a close game, I understand why, right? Thursday night, sometimes you don't have the the preparation that you need to have. So that's all I'm running with. I think it's Chiefs by a lot, but I could see it being a close game. Yeah. Listen, I'm with you. It should be the Chiefs, hands down. I mean, it just should be, right? You get the arrow at advantage in prime time. It's an insane matchup. 
Um, the Broncos aren't playing well. That defense is reeling. Um, but the Broncos, division games, you know, whatever it is, um, they always play the Chiefs close, right? Came down to the wire both times last season. Um, and so they play it close with the Chiefs. I feel pretty confident that they'll go in and, and handle this. And, and it's going to be, right, my, my keys to victory here is going to be run the ball with Pacheco. We saw what the Broncos defense cannot stop the run. We saw we saw against the Dolphins, what the Dolphins were able to do with both their running backs. We saw what Brees Hall was able to do last week, a rush for over 150 yards. Pacheco could do that. Yes. Um, feed Pacheco. So what I'm worried about is, is they're going to do it. Pacheco is going to go off. Is, and what's happened the last two games is they're going to score a touchdown with Pacheco. They're going to pull him, go with – Clyde Edwards-Alaire and just throw the ball up and down the field. They, could they have success? Obviously, they can have success. It's freaking Mahomes. But the key, the success of this, if they want to do it, is just going to be running the ball down their throats. And it's just not something that the Chiefs can do. It's just physically impossible for Andy Reid to do it. It's just it's just it's impossible for him. Um, and so that could be something that might be a little bit concerning. But if it, I mean, I'm I'm not too worried about it. Um, this would be the most embarrassing loss I can think of. Um, if the Chiefs were to lose, I would show my face for at least a week <laughs> um, if that happened. But um, I feel confident in, 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 in taking the Chiefs here. And I don't think it'll be – I really don't think it'll be close. It shouldn't be close, um, and, but I, I feel good about it. And I think um, they'll just pile on to the, to the crap show that is the Broncos season. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. I'm just giving them an out in case it is close. I understand why it could be close. Thursday night games are hard, especially against rivals, right? Yeah, and so. we'll see, you know see what happens too with Kelsey, right? Coming off the injury, oh, yeah. like I know he was able to grit it out, but um, he's already missed a Thursday night game due to short rest. You know, he wasn't able to go against the opener. We saw kind of how the offense looked, you know, without him. Um, so it'll be, we'll see what happens if he's able to go. So that could might sway some things there and give a little bit more help to the Broncos. Um, but um, yeah, I'm still got the cheese. Yep. 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 All right. Sunday night football. Who? The Giants Why? on prime time. I get it. Okay. I get it. So listen, I, 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 I get that you can't predict that the Giants would be this bad. Um, based on how they were last season, I don't think I, – I didn't think they were going to be good. I didn't think they were going to be this bad, though. So – I can't fault them too much about that, but still putting one team in primetime, like the first four weeks or five weeks or whatever, week six, like six. week six, it's going to be like their fourth game in primetime. Yes. Yes. Like that's ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's the Chiefs or the 49ers. Like this is ridiculous to have a, a same team like that, primetime games like that, that early in the season. And especially whenever you get a crappy team like the Giants to watch and get dominated. I mean, this, if you're talking about the Bills, like this is the perfect, you know, rebound game for the Bills, right? You come off of that terrible loss overseas in London. You have to fly back home and you still have to play the next week. Um, this is just the perfect game to get right. Say, listen, like we we did not play our best here, but we're gonna have a crappy opponent. They could they could play how they played against the Jaguars and put up fifty points against the against the Giants, like if we're being yes. honest. So this game is gonna be a crap show. I'll probably be turning it off by halftime because the Bills are just gonna be dominating. I agree. I agree, right? This is Bills. We don't. I don't think there's much to say about it. Josh Allen master class coming, right? Stephon Diggs is gonna go nuts. If you've, Cooper I mean, if you've got training. Bills, if you've got Bills, any fantasy players for your Bills, freaking start them. I mean, this is just yes. gonna be. This is just yes. gonna be a crap show. Yeah, 
Yeah. So um, cool. Right. Not even waste time on that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Next. <laughs> let's let's go to one of the best matchups I think that we're gonna have all season. Um, definitely the best matchup of the primetime slates. Um, yes. That's going to be Monday Night Football, Cowboys taking on the L.A. Chargers. This one yes. is going to be a fun one, Chase. Break it down. Yes. Yes. So this, I, I, I like this matchup. I think we talked about it when we talked about our matchups during the offseason. This is the Kellen Moore revenge game. We're going to have a very dominant defense, right? The Cowboys are going to be hot. They're going to want to... You know, they're coming off that brutal loss. I'm no longer a Cowboys fan, but I still think they're an average to, I think they're a good team. Let's be honest. I still think they're a good team. So I think this is going to be a very good game. The Chargers, Charger, right? We've talked about that a million times on this podcast. They have a very, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. They've got the play caller to finally put it all together. They've got the pieces. Um, This is, their defense is not good. They're going to have to score points. So this is a really good defense with a subpar offense going against a subpar defense with a really good offense. This is what football is about, right? This is the immovable force versus, what is that saying? I don't even know. Unstoppable object. Whatever that saying is. This is, yeah. 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 This is this. This is, this is the game where it's going to be, the matchup's going to be very one-sided, right? When Dak's out there and Joey Bosa's out there, if he's playing, I don't even know right now, honestly. He's probably hurt. He's always hurt. But if, if the, when, when they're out there, this is the time where you go get snacks and then you get sit down when Micah Parsons versus Herbert's out there, right? That's the matchup we care about. The Chargers offense versus this elite Dan Quinn uh, Cowboys defense. It's going to be phenomenal. Yep. I mean, this this is this is a great game for all the reasons that you said, but, it, but and more, right? So both of these teams already have two losses. Yes. So this would drop whoever loses this would drop them to three, um, to three losses. Um, which would, barring anything crazy happening, I think would both knock them out of contention in, um, in within their division. Correct. Um, with three losses this early, um, I think would both knock them out of contention to win their division. Um, and then you start looking at, you know, what does that mean for the playoffs? Um, you know, starting off with three losses in the first six weeks of the season. That's, I mean, that's tough to come. Obviously you can get bounced back and play some games, but this is, this is a lot riding on this. If this wasn't the, you know, this would have been my big game preview if it wasn't, you know, the Monday Night Football where we dedicated yes. time to do it. But I think this is the game that has the most playoff implications out of, Absolutely. out of all the games because of that, even though it's a non-conference game, right? NFC and AFC, right? So the loss won't matter as much, but it's still three losses and that does matter, right? This is why, like, this is why, like when you're the, for both these teams, right? This is why you can't lose against bad teams, right? The Chargers lost to the Titans. You can't do it. The Cowboys lost to the Cardinals. You can't do it because you have to save it for games like these when you go up against a good team and you lose. You're like, okay, that's a good team. They got the better of us that day. Well, we know what can compete with them, but that just sets you back even longer, uh, you know, even more, right? That because you, you don't win the games that you should. Um, and so one of these teams is going to end um, with a third loss and it's going to set them back. Um, Chargers are coming off of a bye. They've had extra time to prepare. Cowboys are coming off a devastating crushing loss. So the Cowboys are going to be motivated. Chargers are going to be a little bit more healthy than we see them. I think Austin Eckler's coming back. Um, so, you know, they got some more thingers on there to kind of clash there. Chargers don't really have a home field advantage. It's going to be packed with Cowboys fans there in, in SoFi. Uh, I'm riding with the Cowboys. All right. I, this brings me to my lock. Is that That's what's next, right? I locked this game. 
and I locked the Chargers over the, the Cowboys. Lot. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And it's not it's not because this was my lock before I became a non-Cowboy fan. This is the Kellen Moore revenge game, right? They they terminated him when they didn't need to. He was not the problem last year, right? He is a really good play caller. He's going to step on the gas. He's been saving stuff for this game. I just know it. Justin Herbert's going to come out there, compete. He got a little banged up at the end of that game, the Raiders game last uh, two weeks ago, right? He hurt his hand. He's got a couple time to heal up. He can throw the football again. He's going. They're going to dominate. By dominate, I mean I don't mean like I still think it probably it's a one score game, but I think the Chargers win this game. Before we move on, who do you think needs to win this game more? Um, who needs to win this more? The Chargers. Okay, that's who I was saying. Too. Uh, it's it's a similar thing that we talked about when it was the Chargers and the Vikings. Um, yes. you know, they were both 0-2, you know, someone had to get their first win, who was going to start 0-3. I still said it was the Chargers that had to win it more. Um, and I'm, I'm still sticking over Chargers because I do think the AFC, the Cowboys will be able to survive. Yes. Um, I don't think the Chargers will. No, I agree. I agree. I'm right with you there. I'm right with you there. So, all right. I guess I, I previewed my lock. You want to give us your lock? Of the week, I want I want to give you my lock. Um, and as you know, when we when I do my locks, I try to not make it like the obvious pick. Yes. I, I'm not going to lock in the Bills against the Giants, yeah. right? That's yes. just too obvious. I want to have a little bit of skin in the game. It's come back to bite me, right? I'm not perfect in my locks, even though I know I could be because I yeah. kind of go out on the ledge here. Um, coming off, um, my lock. I had to think about this. My lock is actually going to be the Minnesota Vikings over the Chicago Bears. Um, this is a tough one because Chicago is coming off playing two great games um, and finally getting a win. And Minnesota is coming back on close wins. The, the opposite of what happened last year, they won 11. They were 11 0 one score games. They've now lost every single one score game that they've been in. But I just think at some point, it's going to happen. It's going to have to click where the Vikings actually put it together and perform well. And I think they can do it against the Chicago Bears defense. That's not very good. Very good. Right. I know Jester Jefferson is gone, but they've still got guys. TJ Hawkinson can step up. Jordan Addison can step up. They've got KJ Osborne. He's been in there that can make some plays. Um, and I think, I think the Vikings are just pissed off. Um, and I think that they go out there um, and play. Um, I don't think the Chicago Bears are very good. Um, and so I'm going to pick the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm locking in the Minnesota Vikings to get their second win um, to go in and beat the Chicago Bears. Yeah, interesting. Out of all of my, I'll be honest, out of all of my game picks that we make before, I still haven't filled that one out. I am torn between that one. I don't know. I don't believe in Kirk Cousins. I don't believe in this Vikings team. Um, without Jefferson, that, that that's a blow that I think is largely overstated. But I still, I'll pick that before we announce it. But man, right, upsets, upsets, upsets. I've got I, – I think I might just keep picking this. I, I, it hasn't worked out yet, but, man, I do not believe in the Philadelphia Eagles. They don't play very well. They just kind of – I know they more than squeaked out against the Rams, but they should have lost that. Stafford just, like, became the most immobile old man in the second half. I don't know whether it's past his bedtime or what, but he looked awful in that second half. Uh, I'm doing Jets over Eagles. That's my upset. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously it's something you know, that can, can see that happen, but I think um, – Jalen Hurts is finally figuring out. He turned on. He had his best game um, against the Rams defense, both throwing and running the ball. Uh, I think 
Um, Jalen Carter is a problem. Elijah Gray Tucker is just out. He he tore his Achilles, so he's out. So the yes. offensive line for the Jets has already been a little bit suspect, adding some injury to that already to where the, the front seven, which is the bread and butter of the Eagles defense, kind of go in there to work. Um, Zach Wilson, you know, he had his, he had his game against the Chiefs. He was really average against the Broncos, right? They leaned more on Brees Hall to kind of do it and they got some help from their defense. So, uh, definitely something, you know, I could, I could see happening. Um, but, um, you know, obviously as, as an upset, but, um, I've been, I've been right so far in sticking with the Eagles. And so I, I would, I would say the Eagles, um, yeah, don't blame me there. I just, Man, I just do not like the, the Eagles play that. It just seem like it seems like they're the Vikings. I know they're not winning one score games, but man, like all of their games, they just look like they're falling apart. They just barely win the game. I know last week didn't, didn't so fit some, that, but at they some point, like you listen, it's at some bite point, them. exactly. I mean, you're right. At some point, it's going to happen. So as long as you keep sticking with it, you'll get it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh. but uh. I don't see happen. I think also the Jets. I mean, that was an emotional game for the Jets against the Broncos. Um, they still needed a little bit of kind of yeah miracle miracle um, work to kind of happen there to to really pull it out. Um, and so coming off that emotional high against a good fill a good Eagles team. I don't think they're the best team in the NFL, no. the NFC, but they're still a really good team. I agree. Um, I agree. And so I just think that um, yeah, that'll be it'll still be too much for them if they come down from that high. Um, my absolute. I know it's gonna bleed in a little bit to your big game preview, but my upset is going to be the Colts upset the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, so I'll give you my little spiel. And I'll let you do yours. I know it's your big game preview. I don't want to take too much away from that, but um, I just was looking at it here. And I feel good about this upset. I just, the, the Jaguars, um, there's one team the Jaguars struggle against in the division and it's the Colts. Typically it's at Indianapolis. Um, they already played there to start the season. Barely won. Um, so now the Colts are coming out. They're clicking really well right now. We talked about Zach Moth. We talked about Gardner Minshew. Um, we talked about, you know, their defense. They're playing well. Jonathan Taylor, we'll see what happens. You know, if he's fully back, he's finally got a whole week of practice underneath his belt to kind of come back and play. We'll see what that looks like uh, against the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars are very susceptible. We've seen teams play well against them. We've seen them haven't really shown up. So they're coming back from London. The, the NFL did them dirty. They don't get a bye after they come back from London. They have to go to London, play two games there, come back, play a game again. At least it's at home. They did them that favor. But um, so with all of that going into it being a division game, um, that's why I'm, I'm picking the Colts. Yeah, that's no, I I understand. I'll just go right into my big game preview then. You kind of teed me up perfectly. I've got – I've spoiled my big game preview. I've got Jacksonville still winning this. I think the Colts – Colts are a very good team. I really like the Colts. been kind of talking them up all offseason. They made the pick of my boy, Anthony Richardson. He pinned out. He's going to be out. It's an AC, AC joint sprain in his shoulder, his throwing shoulder. That potentially could be season ending. They might sit him for the rest of the season. He's out at least uh, – two to six weeks, right? That's kind of where it arranges. They think they might hold him out for the season. Gardner Minshew is my boy. I really like, I grew up the Minshew sash over the summer for him. He, you know, he's the guy. I do not think he can beat this Jacksonville Jaguars team. We kind of seen it week one, right? He came in there, gave him a showing. This Jacksonville team is a very different team from where they were week one, right? They've, we've just kind of talked about, it. they started to click on all, all cylinders. They do have to worry about coming back home right, and getting back in the, the normal spring of things here in the States instead of across the pond in London. But they are healthy. Tre uh, tr I think Trevor settled down. I think he's going to play his best game we've seen all year. And I actually think Jonathan Taylor coming back 
without Anthony Richardson, I think that kind of hurts the team a little bit. I think it's going to throw a little discomfort in there, right? You got two new, you got a new quarterback getting taken snaps. You got a new running back back there, right? I think it's going to be a little uh, confusing. Maybe they won't be on the same page right away. I think they'll take a week. I think this is a closer game, right? I think the Colts are no pushover. I think Jacksonville wins this. Well, I'll go ahead and lead into my big game preview then. Um, I've got the my big game preview being the Seattle Seahawks visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. Now oh, it's not a non-conference game, or you know it's a non-conference game, so you know loss or whatever is not going to affect you terrible. Unless you're the Cincinnati Bengals, right? You would go to two and four on the season. Um, Seahawks jump up to four and one, um, and that's tough to start off with four with four losses there, Cincinnati. You know, listen, they came across, they played against a, a, a good Eagles or a, sorry, a good Cardinals team, um, but they still weren't that. I mean, yes, Jamar Chase had a godlike game, but they were, that game was close for a long period of time yes. before it kind took off. Um, Seattle's coming off of a bye. They've had that extra week to rest. They've had the extra week to prepare. I think they're getting Cincinnati at the perfect time um, to come to go in there and, and kind of walk away with um uh, I'm not for sure who's favorite. I think Cincinnati might be favorite because they're the home team. But walk away with kind of upset win, kind of kickstart, you know, their their rest of their season after they come off of the bye and kind of keep Cincinnati there down in the dump. So obviously with Cincinnati, it's going to be tough um, to start off with four losses. This would be a perfect game for Seattle to win, to keep maintaining there, um, especially because they're still, they're still competing with the division, right? The only loss they have is against the 49ers, so they're still up there competing for the division and a top spot there in, in the NFC. And so to go into a play with uh, what we assume we expect to be a playoff caliber, a playoff team in the Bengals yeah. um, there. So it's going to be interesting to see which Bengals team we get. Like I said before, was it a one-off or are they finally kind of back to playing? Um, but overall, I think it'll, it'll be a good game as we talk about playoff positioning, obviously um, based on just the win loss record. Um, Cincinnati needs this way more than Seattle does. Um, so it's going to be a balls to the wall game, I think, for Cincinnati. But listen, I'm I have to go with what I've seen so far. Okay. I'm I'm picking the Seattle Seahawks to win this game. Okay. I just got to right. go with what with what I've seen so far, and the majority of the season so far has been Joe Burrow playing crappy, the Bengals playing crappy, um, and Seattle has been good. Um, and so I like to, to Seattle to come in there and to do that. Um, and we'll, this could easily be where Cincinnati just dominates. I wouldn't be shocked either if, if the Bengals play really well and they win this game. Um, but just based on what I have to see, I just I can't put my faith in Cincinnati and, and pick them to win a game right now. Yeah. No, I picked the Seahawks. I, I think the same. I think we kind of seen that defense start to find their life that Monday night game. I know it was the Giants. I don't think they're going to do that to that extent against the uh, Panther or Panthers against the Bengals. But I do think that that defense is going to have more of a say, right? Jamar Chase is going to be matched up against a very good secondary with Devon Witherspoon, Tariq Wolin, Quandre Diggs. Hopefully Jamal Adams can play. I don't know if I haven't heard anything more about him. He kind of lit it up the first quarter and then kind of went down with that free concussion injury. But uh, that's, the Seattle Seahawks are a very good team. You know, they, they are better, way better than the Cardinals team that they honestly, they kind of struggled with, right? The Cardinals were winning until Josh Dobbs decided to turn the ball over two or three times, right? So, uh, Geno Smith, nor, you know, he's been phenomenal, has kind of taken a step down from where he was last season, but he still doesn't turn over the ball. So you're not going to get those free possessions that the Cardinals were giving you. I don't really see a way uh, Cincinnati wins this unless they are truly back. Yep, I'm with you.
Well, let's go ahead and then roll into our official picks. So as you know, last week we were not good. I had my worst week after I guaranteed a hundred percent success rate. Um, and I just got shot down from night one, right? Yes. Thursday night. But, um, um, we've got the picks here for today, Chase. I'll go ahead and give you my picks here. Absolutely. Um, feel pretty good here. Um, so obviously I've got the Kansas city chiefs on my Thursday night game. Um, another game across the pond. I've got the Baltimore Ravens, um, over the Titans. Um, I'm picking, I've picked against Atlanta. I think every single week so far, I'm riding with Atlanta, another home game. Um, yeah. Desmond Ritter stays undefeated. I've got the Vikings as my lock over Chicago, Seattle over Bengals, 49ers easily over the Browns, Dolphins easily over the Panthers. My upset pick, I've got Colts over Jacksonville. Um, the Saints against Houston game. This one was a tough one because the Saints just had their best game of the season. Houston arguably coming off their worst game of the season. Uh, I'm walking with Houston. I'm rolling with the Texans. Um, they've, they've been my one of the most surprising teams um, so far this season for me, and so I'm picking them again to win. I've got Raiders over New England. I've got the Rams over the Cardinals, although that's going to be a close one. Eagles over the Jets. This was a tough one, too, but I'm going to Lions over Tampa Bay. Um, I've got Buffalo over New York, and I've got the Cowboys beating Los Angeles Chargers on yes. Monday night. Yes. We got very, very similar. We, I think the ones that we have different, we talked about them. Like, that's crazy. But we've got, I've got the Chiefs, the Ravens. I'm riding with the Falcons, of course, the Seahawks. I've got Jacksonville. We talked about that. I'm riding with them. Dolphins. I've made my decision. I'm going against your lock. I'm picking the Chicago Bears. I think this starts the fire cell for the Vikings. The 49ers. I'm, I'm riding with the Texans, same as you. CJ Stroud had one off game. He really wasn't that off. He comes back, breathes life into that team again. Going with the Raiders over the Pats. I am surprisingly, I think the Lions are better than the Bucks. I think the Bucks will keep it close. But the Lions are a really good football team. Uh, they got the Rams over the Cardinals. Jets, my upset of the week over the Eagles. Bills, and, and then, of course, my lock of the week, the Chargers over the Cowboys. So I think only just three games uh, we differ on this yeah. week. So we'll see who comes out. <laughs> oh, it's a big one. Um, yeah, that's a big one. But that is the week six preview here of the nfl season so we've got the recap of week five the preview of week six a lot of football to go over these are getting longer and longer but it's just so much to break down and go over and so super super fun so if you've stuck with us here um at the end of this appreciate it if you haven't already make sure you like comment subscribe give us a five-star rating if you think we deserve it we definitely appreciate the love and um hey listen enjoy football this week hopefully your teams win Unless you're playing my team, and I hope you lose. Got a big college matchup coming up. Go Oregon, Oregon. You know, kind of our <sighs> our Pac-12 winners, right? Oregon Pac-12. going against your Heisman candidate. And I got Pac-12 the Huskies, winner. baby. Yep. I got the Huskies. Big game. Washington's going to ball out. So a lot of good football to watch. Uh, a lot of good football. It's going to be a great weekend. So as always, you know, we'll catch you next time um, here on All Things Football.